Hey gang, Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts is now funded by Patreon. Join to access our blog and unlock special bonuses like essays, reviews, show notes, and other exclusive material. It's brand new and you can be a part of shaping the material we produce. If we reach $50 a month, we'll be able to start buying vintage Scooby-Doo novels to review, in addition to our regular episodes. Thank you to Charlie Adams, David Green, Jordan Ferguson, Katie Maxwell, Kyle Michaud, Matthew Bang, and Pablo Corden for funding this episode. Welcome to Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts, the original podcast that painstakingly goes through all Scooby-Doo media in search of those two Scooby-Doo absolutely, or Scooby-Don't under any circumstance. I'm your host, Amelia. And I'm your host, Billy. And we're watching Scooby-Doo, The Mystery Begins. Hey, come on, gang, let's go. What's this Scooby-Doo? We're coming after you. We're gonna that mystery. <laughs> My God! <laughs> I had no idea it was going to be like that. You mean not only watchable but enjoyable? Yeah, like thoroughly, amazingly good. I, I I'm taken aback. Like I I expected this to be some sort of Nickelodeon or decom level TV movie, which. I mean, it is. It is. It's very much that. But this is also, like, so faithful to the material, so fun throughout. And I would argue the piece of Scooby-Doo media that has most captured the gang as teenagers. I don't know about as teenagers. I would say as explaining why the fuck they're all friends. Yeah, absolutely. This is a group of friends that you completely understand why they're together and what they see in each other. Like, I think I understand Scooby-Doo now as a show. I, the questions, they've, they've, the mystery has been clear. Forget Mystery Begins. The mystery's been cleared up of why these kids were friends in the first place. I'm, I'm almost hesitant to ask if it really truly took you 344 episodes to understand what Scooby-Doo is. It, it didn't, but it, you know what, it took me, I, I think having the history of 344 episodes has helped me to really appreciate what this movie does right, and I'm so happy. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so happy. I mean, we're, we're coming off of what I, I think could charitably be described as a lull. And so this is just such a high point. Well, whoever was involved with this, kudos. Kudos from me. What do you think, Amelia? Either of the movie as a whole, or if you'd like to get started with the podcast. I would like to get started right. with the podcast. Well, then. I feel like you're going to sit here and talk about it for four fucking hours unless I get going. I, and you still might talk about it for four fucking yeah, hours even after I get going. I have five pages of notes. Okay, well, you try and narrow that down. Mm -hmm. As I give the premise. Okay, fair. 
Four teenagers and a talking Great Dane with different backgrounds find common ground when they have to clear their good names from accusations of staging spooky practical jokes at Coolsville High, which leads to their suspensions and even expulsions. All of those were commas. There were no periods anywhere in there. You did an admirable job. I, I think you were breathing appropriately for the length of the sentence. I'm a little winded now, though. Well, take a drink. <laughs> and leave in the pause. Thrilling. <laughs> I, want, I want everyone to hear this thrilling drink action. You know what I like about that premise? It doesn't expect you to know anything about Scooby-Doo. It, it, in fact, preps you for something completely new. It's it's just four teenagers with different backgrounds. And a talking Great Dane. Yes. You might need to know something about Scooby-Doo to understand where that's coming from. You, I th Okay, you can take the talking Great Dane as read. This film certainly does. But the fact is, making Scooby-Doo at, like, making Mystery Inc. The Breakfast Club is such a good idea. Like, they're, they're, they're friends because of happenstance, but they like each other. That's what you take away from The Breakfast Club? I take away that those five people never speak to each other again. No, I, th I, th I think they formed a bond for life. And they go across the country solving mysteries in a van. We had very different readings of The Breakfast Club, I find. <laughs> I think I think after that freeze frame moment, they find a body in the woods and they go out trying to find the real killer. Because The Breakfast Club is a darker film than Scooby-Doo could ever hope to be. My at first glance, nice and simple before we go into characters, we learn Coolsville has a population of 81,000. Pretty big place. That is. What What cities do you think that's comparable to? Oh, I have no idea. American cities always confuse me because there's, like, so many people in America, and there's so few people in Canada. So, like, our biggest cities are, like, small towns in yeah. America. I've googled cities with 81,000 people. It's, it's, uh, and the thing that's come up is Oregon cities by population. The, the closest, I think, would be Medford, Oregon, which has 82,347 people. So, uh, categorically, we've learned Coolsville, which is where this town takes place, should be read as Medford, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> they specifically say in this movie they're in Ohio. Oh, they do, don't they? I don't believe that for an instance. These are not Midwesterners. <laughs> no, I've been over this before. No one in the gang is voting Republican. <laughs> There's so much light. Well, okay, I'm looking at the screen now and it is a cloudy day. So the, the film has betrayed me. <laughs> uh, my, my premise uh, was, was simple, that I, I thought it looked like a, like a Nickelodeon movie with a jaunty score. And the, sc the score throughout, just because I've made a, a note here, it's, it's by the same composer as the other two live-action Scooby-Doo movies. But I, I think overall, yes, it's jaunty, but it also goes to like a very gothic place. What? They're, well, got gothic in the, uh, the Tim Burton sense. So still jaunty. So not gothic. A little Elfman inspired. <laughs> so crap. No! No, good Elfman. Back in the day. I still think that's crap. You think the Simpsons' main theme is a bop? Oh, it's awful. I think- I've been jamming to that for close to 40 years now! 
That that's a song that'll last the test of time. Beetlejuice. Is not the song, but it's like that. I'm not gonna go into this again, alright? I just edited the episode where you went in with a bunch of chonka chonkas trying to compose some sort of song. Yeah. Um, so we have we have a lot of characters to get through here. We have the At regular least. amount of characters. <laughs> we, we do. I mean, I have a lot of notes for the characters. I I don't know who you want to start with. I think it makes sense to start with with Shaggy and Scooby shenanigans. Yes, perfect. Let's go. Um, because oh my God, Nick Pilatus as Shaggy, he is fantastic. He is absolutely capturing elements of Casey Kasem's performance as Shaggy that ring completely true, and. I, com- I completely buy this guy as just a high school student. Like, I know guys like this. Or at least I did in high school. You're 31 years old. That- Why are you hanging out with high school boys? That's what I'm trying to qualify right now. When <laughs> I was in high school, I knew guys like this. I think it's very clear I didn't run with the coolest crowd. <laughs> so weirdos like this shaggy fellow. Right up my alley. Mm-hmm. He's just got that absolute teenage awkwardness, but still a very friendly guy. I think he's much better live-action Shaggy than Matthew Lillard is. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna agree with you on that. You know I love Matthew Lillard, but Nick, you nailed it. You know, you know what it is? It's the... it's the serenity in his eyes. It's that slight empty-headedness. Yeah, he's got big, soulful brown eyes that you just look into and think, "Oh, I'd feed you once and you'd follow me home. He's he's got that quality of Shaggy where you would joke about him being a stoner, but he's never smoked weed in his life. Well, he clearly doesn't need it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He's just just that goofy guy. Like, we, we start off this movie with this version of Shaggy. He's... He's trying to get onto the school bus, and he's being tripped by bullies. He's not allowed to sit with anybody. He's klutzy, but laid back about it. You know, he falls, and he's just like, shrugs and smiles, laughs a little bit, moves on with his life. He's very awkward with people. He doesn't have any friends. Yeah. That's so very, very sad. I feel like... But he's cool with it. Well, I don't know if he's cool with it. He's very eager for friends. He's very optimistic and hopeful that he'll get friends. Yeah, but he's not dressed all in black claiming to be cutting himself. No. I just feel like this is a shaggy... Maybe he was homeschooled for a good chunk of his life. He doesn't quite have the social network that he needs to thrive. Until a talking dog comes into his life. <laughs> yeah, who literally through through happenstance, he just kind of runs into his bedroom window. They do the whole sheets over their heads thing as they both think each other are a ghost. And like, they're, they're nobodies who both find somebody. Well, speaking of very, very sad, Shaggy's lack of friends, Scooby... Uh, is apparently a regular on the adoption circuit. Yeah. To which he never gets adopted. 
And then when he doesn't get adopted, they cram him back into a cage that's far, like far sm- too small. Like he's been in it since he was a puppy and they're, they're just, they're trying. Clearly the owner of the adoption agency is, is trying, is hopeful that Shaggy, can, that Scooby can get a home. But no luck so far. And then very extra sad, he falls off the back of a truck. In the real world, that would have severely injured a dog. Maybe not. They weren't going highway speeds. True, but he was in that little cage. He had no way to brace himself. Would a dog brace themselves anyways? I think a little. Should mention that Scooby-Doo is voiced by Frank Welker in this movie. Uh, It's the first time in a live-action movie that Frank is taking over the role. He's the truest teenager out of all of them. <laughs> yep, he is. <laughs> it's interesting how they actually had Frank Welker in the mocap suit on set for all this, bounding around on all fours. Could you imagine? <laughs> Why would they need that? Cer- certainly not for the level of CGI they're, they're working on today. There is a lot less of Scooby in this movie. It's focused a lot more on the human characters, the human dynamics. I think that is a benefit to Shaggy in this movie, because Shaggy in the live-action movies with Matthew Lillard is very much paired with Scooby the entire time. They're usually off on a B-plot. But this time, like, when they're in school, Scooby-Doo can't come in school. He's a dog. Later on, Scooby actually gets kidnapped, and they sort of band together to save him. I want to keep talking about Scooby's CGI, because it's terrible. That's the worst part of this movie, and probably what puts a lot of people off from watching it, because Scooby is front and center on the on the disc yeah. case. It's, you can and tell- it's bad. You can tell they've been lowered to a TV movie budget on Scooby-Doo. I honestly, and the rest of the movie doesn't quite feel as bad, but once you're looking at Scooby, you're like, eh, and and- And you can tell why they kept him out of a lot of the movie because of that. But like I said, I think it kind of ended up being better for the movie overall, that Scooby was a minimal presence. Put put five more dollars in your CGI budget and make his eyes not so weird. You know what else is very good for Shaggy in this movie? The scene when they all have attention to the library, the rest of the gang all pull out mystery books in slightly different genres, but you can tell they're all very interested in solving mysteries. Shaggy, not at all. He's here for friends. He's not here for friends. He's here for detention. Well, I mean, I mean, overall. <laughs> You're right. Or because it, it just has to be done. He, he doesn't have the drive forward like everyone else. He, he would just be very happy to run away. In the scene where they're all reading mysteries, he's... Deciding to take a nap. He says, and I quote, I'll just pretend I'm in class and goes to sleep. Uh, also a quote from Shaggy I enjoyed. I've done this before. He's talking about sitting. Yes. <laughs> He's sat before. Why is Shaggy's bed? Because we see Shaggy's bedroom as mm-hmm. sort of their hive of operations. Yeah, a much better hive of operations than we saw in Monsters Unleashed. Where they had, like, a fucking lair. Shaggy's bed is against, like, zero walls. Yeah, he keeps it in the middle of the room. That is sociopathic. <laughs> he's a weirdo. He's, <laughs> he's someone where you look at what he's doing and you're just like, What? Why would you do this? 
And that's ideal. We also see him invent Scooby Snacks in this movie. It's actually like he a- He makes like a Russian tea cookie, but instead of putting pecans in it, he puts dog kibbles. Yes. First offers it to the rest of the gang, but it's really only Scooby who's a taker. And Shaggy himself. Yes. Obviously. He, yeah, of course. We've seen that before. Nice little reference with red shirt Shaggy at one point in this movie. I don't know if that's a reference or they just put him in a red shirt. He layers a lot in this movie. Yeah. The long sleeve under the t-shirt. In the 2000s, that's how you knew someone liked music. So Shaggy must like music. He does. Does he, does he mention any music? I don't remember. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Look at, he hid behind Velma. Yeah, I've specifically noted that. Why haven't you noted that? I, I, I guess I was paying attention to something else at the time. Well, he hides behind Velma. You ruined the reveal. By talking about it. <laughs> by, by revealing it myself. Even though the rest of these kids are, I guess, uh, I, I guess they would be 15? Shaggy has his driver's license. They might be 16, like... Like on the verge of 16? I feel like it'd be less shocking that Shaggy had his driver's license then. We, we learn he is the oldest of the group because he was held back twice. So what, that makes him 17 in this group of 15-year-olds? I think so. He's very desperate for friends then. <laughs> you think, as if I was 17, I would hang out with someone even two years younger than me? Oh, fuck no. You definitely wouldn't. I, on the other hand. Yeah, we've heard all about how you look <laughs> Oh no, no, oh no! I forgot about the context of earlier in the episode. Uh, Billy is a Caucasian male, brown hair, blue eyes, glasses. <laughs> Please about, be on the lookout. About 5'8". Maybe 170 in weight. Be sure if you see him lurking around high schools, you report him to someone. <laughs> Nick Pilatus, he's not just a good Shaggy character-wise or in his voice. He's a fantastic Shaggy physically. He has the posture. He has the flailing. I'm sorry, I'm just going to keep every couple minutes, I guess, complimenting him. I was that impressed. My favorite thing about this Shaggy is that he gives Scooby... Thumbs up for simply existing. Yeah! I don't think Scooby's doing anything at the moment. Shaggy just turns and gives him a big thumbs up and a smile. Well, he was looking for him, and it was right after he said the titular line, Scooby-Doo, where are you? Maybe not quite in that tone. That was an odd tone to ask it in, but... You were also leaning a little bit into your Scott Menville Shaggy I will, it's, impression. <clears throat> it's been a while. I gotta... I don't have a Nick Pilatus in me right now. But if I did... It's because you haven't been lurking around high school Yeah, I need, I need to get back to it. Um. <laughs> Just to get on Scooby a little bit more, I, I wanted to note that uh, at one point he's yelling and it sounds a little bit more like distressed honking. Frank, if you could just tell me what you were going for in that instance, that would be great. Please write in. Also, in this universe, I, I don't understand why no one ever questions why Scooby talks. And maybe... We've never gotten it before because we've never gotten an origin story. But here's the origin story. Why is still no one questioning the talking dog? I don't know. And here's my question. Does Scooby even need to be a talking dog in this movie? Or could it have been a Great Dane? Or, or would that be too contrived? Just <laughs> to have an actual dog here. I think the story would work with a dog. 
Yeah, I don't think he needs to talk. He's You've said he's not in it overly. Frank Welker seemed to be a little bit off his game, just a touch with honking through most of it. <laughs> I wouldn't say he was honking through most <laughs> of it. But his, uh, yeah, his yelps were more on the on the ah than ah side. Uh, we could have avoided the scene where they're scratching each other's bellies. That was weird. I didn't mind that scene. There was one you scene. You didn't mind the scene where Shaggy lays on his back and Scooby rubs his belly and Shaggy's leg shakes. No, I didn't. There's different connotations when you're a person. I had a problem <laughs> with a fart joke. Because there was still a fart joke in this movie. And, and it was a very clean movie without it. It didn't have to... It, it wasn't on the level of the other live-action movies yeah, with the burping okay. and farting contests. We didn't descend into, like, Shaggy shitting his pants yeah. at that amusement park. But really, it's it's humor that I want out of here, mister. I was... It was one fart joke, and I was fine with it because it was Scooby doing it. If Shaggy had farted, mm. then I would have had a problem. Because, yeah, okay, that's true, because dogs... Don't follow the same social cues as the rest of us. No, they don't know how to read a room. And yeah. they'll just fart whenever they want. Okay. You know what I got a great laugh at? The disguises. When, uh, at one point the gang is suspended, so they can't go on school property. So they all disguise themselves before they go. Weren't they totally expelled by that point? They may have been. Because the suspension turns into an expulsion. Even the premise yes, states I think, that. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you are right about that. So maybe they were completely expelled at this point. But regardless, everyone dresses up uh, in sort of a different genre of teen. Except for Shaggy and Scooby. Who dress as trash cans. And it is legit the greatest reveal of all time. Yes. Because it's slow motion, epic music. You pan over Daphne, who's a punk girl. And then Fred, who is, I don't know. A white rapper. A yeah. Big He's into the hip-hop scene. Velma is just a hot girl now. Yeah. And then pan over Shaggy and Scooby, literal trash cans, Ugh. still smiling happy about them. So great. They, they are. They couldn't think of one other genre of teenager. <laughs> I, I, I'm, just, I'm happy with it. It's perfect for them. They are adorable disasters. This is the first Shaggy I've sympathized with since 1973. <laughs> <laughs> and well earned. Completely well earned. He's just, oh, he's my favorite kind of person. Scooby's best part in this movie, he's dressed up in a hoodie and brought onto the school bus. Because Shaggy's taking him to school. Yeah. This is before he meets the rest of the gang. So Shag this is Shaggy's only friend at this point. Yes. Is a dog he met. Large Great Dane in a hoodie. And his bully trips him and Scooby goes back to growl at him. And then when Shaggy's just like, like, lay off, don't worry about it. Scooby goes back, crawling under the seats to attack the bully. Before that, though, when Shaggy tells him to lay off... He's, like, going back to the back of the bus, and he starts, uh, he starts, like, muttering and cursing under <laughs> <Yeah>. his breath. <laughs> now, they do, <laughs> they do make a big deal about how it was, like, some sort of injustice that they got detention after this. 
But honestly, if Shaggy was a boy who brought, who snuck a dog aboard the bus, and then that dog bit someone, he would absolutely have detention. That is, that is a deserved punishment. Yes. This Shaggy, as much as I love him, deserves to be punished. <laughs> Shaggy thinks a van is groovy. Just a regular van, dirty, rusty, full of gardening equipment. It's easy to please. Does he call it groovy? Yes. See, I'm, this is just stoking the fire that this boy was homeschooled for years. I think he's picking up on his parents' lingo. <laughs> While driving, he has a hard time concentrating and severe performance anxiety also (laughs) leads into the homeschooling, I think. Oh, he was so cute when he was driving the van. I also love that in this version, it's Shaggy and Scooby in the front and everyone else in the back. It feels so wrong. (laughs) And then just because we're at a very adorable scene with her right now, can we talk about the Velma vision? Yes, we can. Uh, Velma in this movie is played by Haley Kiyoko, who is, I, I think, much better known as a musician nowadays. Gay icon. Yeah, that too. <laughs> she is a very good Velma. She, I think, falls a lot into the... The one I would say she's most like is probably a pup named Scooby-Doo Velma, if I'm being honest. I see her more as Mystery Incorporated because she is very insecure. She's constantly calling out Daphne as the haughty. Mm. But I don't I don't think she has that sullenness to her. She's more she's she's very rambly at times. She has a definite social awkwardness. That serpentine move. <laughs> that that just charms me to no end. Whenever they have to like sneak through something, Velma because I guess it's more tactical. She, she always runs out with a serpentine. Which is a zigzag. A zigzag, For anyone yes. who doesn't know. I guess I could have described it in some way. And uh, she just goes out there and she's, she's just a freak about it. But yeah. she loves it. So good for her. That's it. Uh, at the very beginning of the movie on the bus, Shaggy almost sits on her science fair project. It appears to be like a Tesla coil made out of a hamster ball. Yep. Very Velma. Something she'd make. And and Haley Kiyoko, she got it down going through that techno babble. Like she she just went off. Just going through it to the point where you're just like, I don't I I don't know what you're talking about. But sure, good for you. It makes sense. She goes she starts that techno babble with Shaggy sitting beside her. And ends it with Daphne sitting beside her. Three minutes later. (laughs) She does not even notice that Shaggy's no longer there. Yep. Uh, I thought at points she had a really weird accent. I noted specifically she says ghost very strangely. Her Argyle sweater is a good look in this movie. She she has a few sweaters. She maintains her her orange look more than... Actually, the, the girls both maintain their color palettes really strongly. Whereas both Shaggy and Fred go on different variations. But because it happens over multiple days, they do all change outfits periodically. It feels much more natural than having one uniform. You think? (laughs) I do. I do think. You think Daphne pulls off a more natural look, not in (laughs) fake hooker go-go boots? I was going to bring that up on Daphne, but yeah, the the fashion is much more grounded. (laughs) 
And they feel like people. Yeah. They don't feel like... Man, you don't look at the other two Scooby-Doo movies and think, wow, those are people you could meet walking down the street. Exactly. Like, you, you don't even think that Daphne is a character. You, you think, oh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, you're having a time. Exactly. Yeah. That is how Sarah Michelle Gellar acts, and I fucking hate her for it. Can't stand yeah. to see that bitch in feature-length films. It's it's a, she's acceptable as Buffy because you, you that's where she started. Yes, she you was know this your, character your first. It's like Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman can only play Michael Bluth, aka Jason Bateman. So like you look at him and you're like, oh, so you weren't acting at all. You were just doing you, and so everything after that is just more mm. Jason Bateman. Here's a note for Velma that I I was really proud of. I said she's skeptical, but clearly researched. I think she comes off most like a Ray Stance-like character in this movie. She's the Ray if this movie is Ghostbusters. No. You don't see that? No, Ray's so lighthearted and fun. I think she's pretty fun. Dude, obviously, if you're casting the Scooby Gang against the Ghostbusters, Velma has to be Egon. Because no one else can do that type of science. That's what makes the most sense, but I, I, you're undercutting Ray's value as a scientist. Yes, but I'm also aware of his bubbly personality, his willingness to believe everything. Ray believes everything until he's proven wrong. I'm trying, I, I, I guess that is right. Whereas Dan Aykroyd believes everything, even if he's proven wrong. Yes. And Frank Welker plays Ray Stance in the real Ghostbusters. And he does a very good job of it. So you want, you want Ray... I don't think this Fred is a Ray. All right, whether this is a different conversation. <laughs> no, in this Shaggy is the Ray. Shaggy's Winston. I put Listen. My, I, <laughs> listeners, I've put my hands on my hips. Because I believe in this. No offense, Winston Zedmore. But Winston. Fred is Winston in this movie. Because you can get rid of Fred. And you can get rid of Winston. They are both low energy. I hate to say that about my boy Fred, but we'll get to Fred when we get to him. Yeah. We're talking about Velma right now. Uh, she calls Daphne a hottie on several occasions. She knows Russian mm -hmm. for some reason. She describes herself as more of a cat person. And, and I, th I think we, we should just say it. I... This Velma is very gay, right? <laughs> like every time that she's she's like, "Oh, so Fred, you're just you're just going to apologize to Daphne? You're just going to apologize to this super hot babe?" <laughs> it's, it's like Fred does not call Daphne attractive in this movie. The only person calling Daphne attractive is Velma repeatedly. Yeah. This is a super gay Velma. Yeah, and that's colored of our knowledge of the actress, most certainly. And years and years of Velma subtext. <laughs> and you you know, she describes herself as more of a cat person here. And I feel like the gays love cats more than they love dogs. So. I'm, saying, I'm saying that's evidence. I'm putting the clues together here. My last note for Velma is really more, I think, of just a, a general character note for Velma through all her iterations. Because at one point, she has microscope slides on her to <laughs> scrape up some phosphorescent nonsense off the stage. And uh, either Fred or Daphne is just like, you have slides on you? And she's just like, what, you don't? So 
I've proposed in my own mind. Velma is the type of person to always have microscope slides for her. But I bet you she never has a fucking tampon handy. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and I just I just want to point out, she doesn't just say, don't you. She says, well, you can't use a microscope without slides. Because <laughs> also pulls out her microscope. Velma also... <laughs> Velma actually has two really good lines in here. The first one is when we first see the reveal of the mystery machine. Velma says... It's a mystery. This machine still runs. Boo. Oh, I love it. No, that was a bad line. That was a bad line. (laughs) That was a bad line. That's how we know it's not just a van. It's the mystery machine. I could have deduced (laughs) that the van, the one van we see was going to be the mystery machine. Well, how do you feel about the line, these paranormal poltergeists aren't pussyfooting around? I was the one that pointed this out. You were. You didn't hear her say the word pussyfoot. And I was just like, wait, wait, wait. That's a PC term? This may be the first time the word pussyfooting has been used. And then one last note, uh, Velma at one point pulls out a UV light to search the area. And can you imagine anything worse than using a UV light in a high school? How many people in high school did you know that were getting laid? Maybe not getting laid, but there's just fluid everywhere. High school students. Unclean. The Fred Factor. Yeah, this so Fred is played by Robbie Amell. I think I know him best from his role in the the current DC CW shows where he played Firestorm, maybe Firestorm. Anyway, I I I knew him coming in. He's the actor I'm most acquainted with. Why isn't he blonde? It's a big issue. Why isn't he a blonde boy? Apparently, I, I think I remember years ago seeing something about this that he thought he was going to be blonde. And I think at one point he may have even dyed his hair blonde. But the producers said no. Well, the producers are wrong. The producers, what were they like? Oh, well, no, a, jo- a jock in high school? He can't be blonde. I don't know. It, it doesn't. Blonde is a girl color. <laughs> it doesn't jive because everyone else in this movie is really true in a way that doesn't push it you know what i mean like they have the essential qualities of the character shaggy is shaggy velma wears orange daphne's got the red hair and the lip gloss and then fred is just standing over there in a polo shirt with brown hair and you're like um hello who are you yeah who are you he's, he's just a sports sir guy. just go and then he doesn't go and you're like what the hell yeah <laughs> fred never sh- frank welker never walks on screen <laughs> There's there is a, uh, a a character moment there for Fred though, because he tries to tell the group early on to split up and who's gonna pair with who, and the rest of the gang are like, "Fuck you! <laughs> you can't tell us to split up." And I I liked that because it's like you haven't earned that authority yet, and it comes back later at the end of the film where he's like, "Now I'm not pushing anybody. This is just a suggestion." but I think it might be a better strategic move if we split up. <laughs> and he treats the gang with respect, and they would listen to him that time. Uh, I think he ha- he has that moment at the beginning when he thinks he's in charge, because he's a football player, canon, in this universe, mm-hmm. and one of his uh, quote-unquote friends is like that jock-bully archetype. Uh, even though Fred's not a jock-bully archetype himself, yeah. he hangs with this douchebag because they're on the same team. So, you know, he's just been raised in all the wrong environments. 
But then he gets to know everyone. Like this moment that we see here right now with Shaggy, where he's talking about sports. Great moment. And he says, what is it? The bears beat the dolphins. And Shaggy's <laughs> just like, that's awful. Why would you take bears to the beach? <laughs> and It's a really funny joke. And Fred's like, no, sports. And Shaggy goes into how he doesn't watch sports yeah. sports, but he's into competitive eating. And Fred yeah. gets into it. Fred gets really into Shaggy talking about competitive eating. This is so much better than that scene in What's New Scooby-Doo, where they're, like, trying to talk about sports and they just decide not to talk. This is a Fred and Shaggy who could absolutely be friends, because they're finding common ground. Uh, he also finds common ground when Scooby is, is snuffing at the ground, like, following a trail. Yeah. And he gets mushrooms or daisies or something stuck up his nose. And Fred just cracks the fuck up and he gives Shaggy a big high <laughs> five because this is the funniest shit he's yeah. ever seen. They're having fun. Um, I also want to note uh, that when Fred sees quote unquote hot Velma, he says jinkies. <laughs> I think they all say jinkies, don't they? Oh, do they? Yeah. <laughs> I noted specifically that Fred said jinkies. I think also Shaggy and maybe even Scooby says it. I'd believe it. Well, I, I think her regular look is better, though. <laughs> I don't know. Because it's, it's weird how when they made her, like, hot Velma, she's kind of like a 60s throwback. She's wearing white pants and a black tank top and big plastic earrings. And a headband. Is it the headband that makes you think 60s? I think it is mostly the headband. And also, presumably, a wig. Because it's... regular Velma has the, has the short, choppy hair. Yeah, that could have just been extensions. Say just, I feel like, it, aren't extensions much more work than a wig? Yeah, but you don't think that Daphne would do the higher quality <laughs> look? Well, yeah, because I mean, the rest of them are more disguises, but I feel like she is taking the opportunity with Velma to really, like, make her up. Like, they have a makeover sequence. Daphne's just in a wig. Fred's in a hat. And, and Velma's in extensions. There, you got the three... Head coverings covered. <laughs> the three genres. And don't forget, trash can lid. Yes. Fred at one point says that Shaggy's in a class all his own, because he hasn't figured Shaggy out yet. Mm -hmm. And Shaggy is pleased as punch. Yes. He enjoys being unique. And uh, really the last note I have for Fred is that Action Man Fred, here, well and alive, tackles Velma to safety. Yeah. And then Velma gets all giddy because she's like pinned under Fred and she's got a little bit of a, <laughs> a little bit of a Fred crush. But don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> Except um, for Daphne. Daphne, Daphne. <laughs> doesn't care. And that's why they're the OTP. Um, Action Man Fred also comes in where he's like fighting a mannequin fist to fist. This is a Fred who throws punches. Uh, and I think that leaves us with the Daphne dilemma. Uh, Daphne is played by Kate Melton even though I could swear she was Bryce Dallas Howard. Or any other red-headed white woman, because they all look the same, yes, let's be honest. they do. As soon as you mentioned that, I was like, oh yeah, they, she does have red hair, doesn't she? <laughs> and white skin, yep. yeah. Yeah. Those are the two features. Um, but uh, they've given Daphne her own sort of interest here. She is a drama girl. So we first see her reading a script for Romeo and Juliet, She's super into the school plays, performance. Gives her an edge here because she does get to suit up with everybody's disguises. 
did we hear about how much she likes doing plays? I thought it was just that one play. Like, we see her rehearsing, but do we hear ever again about a play? Well, I, th- I think they're, they're making her in that clique. You have, like, Fred as the sports guy, Velma as the science girl, uh, Shaggy as just the outcast, and then, uh, Daphne is, like, they didn't go with just making her, like, the popular girl. They gave her an interest. Drama. Oh, they gave her the worst high school interest. <laughs> Fucking drama kids are the worst. Hello. <laughs> um, ooh, they did also keep the fact that she was rich. She has staff at her house. It's a grand manor. Rich bitch Daphne is here again. But the nice thing that they did is that when they said that, like, she has a car, it's just a shitty old van. Her parents are not spoiling her. That's an interesting route to take. I don't know, just a a nice moment. I appreciated it in her character. I like that Daphne and Scooby have a good relationship in this film. I don't know if she necessarily has a better relationship than anybody else, but I noticed a couple moments where they were Daphne and Scooby moments, and they were very nice to see. Since we've always said that Daphne and Scooby have a little thing. I felt that this Daphne was very much just about makeup and boys. Well, the, the makeup they at least paired with a the theatrical element. And was was she that into boys? Well, she did do the makeover well, for Velma. There's always time for makeup and mm. boys. Ooh, Yeah. I don't have a second in my day for boys. Where is she getting all her time for boys? (laughs) I don't know. I definitely don't. Like, I got a bit of time, but not as much as I'd like. Daphne knows how to pull the fuse out of dynamite. By pulling it out of the dynamite? I mean, hey, it's more than Shaggy knew. Shaggy looked terrified. Still, you can't... You can't hand someone a, a lick st- lit stick of dynamite and say, now figure out how to pull out the fuse. Exactly. You've kind of given it away there, Billy. <laughs> it's not a puzzle. Maybe, maybe it's something that only it would be a puzzle to Shaggy. How do you feel about the dynamic, though, that it, it really seems, even though she has that boy's comment, that Daphne has no interest in Fred. But Fred does have a little crush on Daphne. That's a bit of an inversion of what we've seen before. Maybe. I've never really seen a, a crush for Fred and Daphne. And we're not in Mystery Incorporated yet. That's all she yeah. talks about in Mystery Incorporated. I'm, I might be projecting from there, but this, this is very much an opposite relationship. Yeah, but you're saying, oh, we're seeing the opposite now when we haven't seen the unopposite. Well, even, even in what's new, like we've talked about Daphne being jealous of other girls before. Yeah, I guess. She's only jealous sometimes, though, not all the times. Mm. So I don't know what her qualifiers are for being jealous. I do think, you know, let, let's put it on the record. I think this Daphne blows Sarah Michelle Gellar's out of the water. Yes, she's... A character? She's a person. <laughs> that just happens to be playing the character of Daphne. Um, she has a much better, more natural look, even down to the red hair. Yeah. Whatever they did to Sarah Michelle Gellar's hair was terrible. Uh, specifically this one, I made note that braids and a beanie are a good look for Daphne. Mm-hmm. Don't often get her hair not just being down. Uh, this Daphne also finds out she's eating dog kibble, and uh, she already has a mouthful when she learns that. But she finishes that mouthful as to not be rude. She, unlike Shaggy, has learned social cues. She has a special skill. She can read upside down. (laughs) Very true. Was that ever brought up again? Nope. 
Just the once. Interesting. They left a Chekhov's gun on the table. They also had her and Velma dress up as a horse. (laughs) Now, this was in the school at night. They're being chased by the specter. They're in a costume room. I just want to point out that they go into the costume room off of the gym. Fred stays in the gym. He starts punching shit. She and Daphne starts kicking shit. OTP. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Together they'd be unstoppable. Uh, They end up in a horse costume to escape the school, and I don't know why, because the Spectre should, like, did they think the Spectre would stop looking for, like, he wouldn't mind a horse, but he's looking for kids. (laughs) He's like, well, that's not the children I'm looking for, that's a horse. That's that's very clearly a horse, I can't chase you at all. (laughs) Yes, that must be the reason. Okay. Well, then that was very smart of him to dress as a horse. Yeah. Shall we move on to minor mentions? Uh, Before we do, I want to say I only have three major ones. I don't want to hear about every child that you see on screen and thought was a minor mention. No, I don't have that either. I will, I will, I have four. And it might only be three, depending on where you've put one. Have you put, have you put the villain man under villain? Yes. Then I only have three as well. If by villain man. Okay, I'm just going to start. Okay. Principal Deedle. Oh no, that's the villain man to me. (laughs) Principal Deedle we meet when Shaggy uh, slides into his office in a trash can. Yeah, he is, uh, he knows Shaggy. Shaggy seems like the kind of character that, like, the school's been keeping an eye on a little bit. Not because he's gotten in trouble, but because they are worried about him. Uh, He he has a very uh, important meeting with Shaggy. When he he wants to get Shaggy into a hobby so that he can gain friends. Uh, Unfortunately, the hobby he suggests is stamp collecting, showing that the principal is even lamer than Shaggy himself. Philately, I believe, is stamp collecting. He he said it multiple times. And uh, yeah, I don't see how that's a group activity. No, it's, it's not. It's, you know... Solving mysteries. That's a group activity. Encourage him to do that. <laughs> I think the best joke I've ever seen about stamp collecting is is probably uncharacteristically a family guy joke where, where Peter is showing Chris how to stamp collect and he, he's just like, alright, now this stamp goes in the book and then we pick up the gun and we kill ourselves because this <laughs> is so awful. But yeah. dad, we could just stop stamp collecting. Bang. <laughs> Sh- shaggy. Clearly showing no interest in it either. Now, at the beginning, I thought this was only going to be a very minor role with the principal. And I wrote down that it would have been nice if it was a role played by Casey Kasem. You know, old Shaggy kind of passing the torch to new Shaggy. That wouldn't work with the way the movie played out. Might have been interesting, but I don't think it would have happened. So I am fine with the casting we got. Um, He's a very meek man. Throughout, we see, we see him very meek as opposed to the vice principal, Vice Principal Grimes, uh, who is much more of an authority figure. Yeah, your typical, I hate children, so let me go into child care for my yeah. career. And it, it does make sense because the vice principal is often the disciplinarian. Why? I, I guess that's just part of the job description, that they deal with, with discipline. The principal's probably off dealing with more administrative work. And, you know, morale. I don't know what principals do. 
Yeah, I couldn't <laughs> tell you the name of any principal I've ever had. They They're so collectively useless in my mind. I could tell you the names of several, but only because they did have memorable names. Mr. Toffelmeyer, Mr. Petherick. These are the names of principals. Grimes is intimidating. He's the one who suspends the gang, expels the gang. You know what? I don't think he's that intimidating. He originally gives them detention because they cause an incident on their bus that mm -hmm. causes the bus to wreck his new orange Mustang. What a pussy car. <laughs> you think you're tough in a fucking Mustang, Grimes? What car would you give him? A manly Hyundai? My other two notes for minor mentions I had uh, were the alternate suspects that Shaggy came up with. Ollie the janitor and uh, the librarian. Oh, I see. Listed here on IMDb as librarian. Um, Ollie the janitor hates his job. Never wanted to be a janitor. Uh, we see him in the basement making an audition tape for America's Next Dancing Star. That Bad title. That would have been the worst show on air, and we all know it. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's also not great at dancing. Also, a bad janitor, because he doesn't know where the trash cans are in this building. <laughs> he looks through the hall, and Shaggy and Scooby are right next to each other. In the corner. A janitor would know where all the trash cans in the building are, because he'd be the one who's emptying them. Maybe he just think punk kids are moving them around, and he never wanted this job anyways, so he doesn't care. That'd be fair. He has no love for custodial work. Who does? Uh, the librarian has a knife. It's a letter opener. She is applying for jobs at a university library, and when she hears she gets it, a, a mighty huzzah escapes her lips. Good for her, really. Mm -hmm. uh, she clearly doesn't want to be at this high school either. No. She's, she previously spent some time in Russia, because she knows how to speak Russian with Velma, and is very excited to speak to someone who she assumes is a Russian exchange student. As soon as that librarian said, is that a Russian accent, I detect Velma should have gone far away. Because yeah. if you're asking what that person's accent is, you're going to have some knowledge of that region. I, she, Velma could have been like, no, Estonia. Like, that's close enough. That would be, that would be a good cover. <laughs> that would be a very good cover. But no, she was like, yeah, da. <laughs> and then she just, the librarian just started speaking Russian. But thankfully, Velma knows how to speak Russian too. So it's a moot point. Yeah. The, these are both, I think they were great red herrings for the scenes that they were in. They're very clearly red herrings. You know what that bully's name should have been? Should have been Red Herring. <gasps> that would have been great. Fred's bully friend. Oh my god, does he, I think he's just named Beefy Jock. Jock, J-O-C-K. Be great if it was Jock, as in like J-A-C-Q-U-E. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so his name's just Beef. <laughs> Beefy Jacques. Beef Jack. Well, here's the thing. Now, it's his name is Jacques. That's his first name. But they call him Beefy Jacques because Skinny Jacques is already well known. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, notes on these on these two minor mentions. Uh, C. Ernest Hearth, who plays the janitor, was in Scooby-Doo Monsters Unleashed. He played Minor 49er. Mm. And uh, the librarian, uh, Lorena Gale, died during production. Oh. And the film is dedicated to her memory. 
and she did a fantastic job and will be missed. By you specifically? Yeah, I'll, I'll miss her. I'm, I'm sad I'm not going to see her in the sequel. I- we won't get a follow-up scene of Velma continuing to have to pretend to be Russian all through high school whenever she's in the library. And you know Velma is going to be in the library a lot. It's a, it's a running gag idea. I have one other minor mention. I wanted to shout out the guy in charge of Pet Day. He has a good feeling for getting Scooby home this time. Uh, though he probably shouldn't have let Scooby do whatever the fuck he wanted while he was in his in his display cage, because that, I do believe, scared off more people than it attracted. Yes. Um, his, his name in the credits is Mr. Pupperman, played by David Hurtubsey. Well, I hope after all this blew over, he started putting up posters for a missing Great Dane in yes. a tiny cage. He should. <laughs> oh, because he, he actually did have a connection with Scooby-Doo. And so I bet he felt really bad when he got to his next location and the dog had just fallen off his truck. Yeah, so I hope he's looked into it. Yeah. Shaggy has done the right thing and tried to return Scooby, but then he was like, no, you two are clearly meant to be yeah. together. Like he was out looking for him and saw... Shaggy and Scooby throwing the frisbee around, and he just thought, I'll leave them be. <laughs> oh, I also shout out to the bus driver. It was totally his fault he crashed into another car. Oh, for sure. For sure it was the bus driver's fault. Kids will be kids. If you can't drive while you have a bus full of yeah. them, don't be a bus driver. If, and here's the thing, when Vice Principal Grimes got on that bus, he, he's like, who did this? The fucking driver, you idiot! Doesn't even look at the driver. Here's the th- here's the thing. If I was the driver, you know what I would have done? Hit the brakes. <laughs> yeah. And said, "Listen, you kids, <laughs> we're not moving until you sit down." That's what my bus drivers did. It was really annoying. I already had a long ride home. I remember one time. Uh, this isn't about misbehavior on the bus. It was about uh, my bus route went over train tracks. Mm -hmm. So we were driving, we went over the train tracks to get to the back route to pick up like the five fucking kids that lived back there. And you were like, oh my God, why won't these kids just fucking die so we can take Highway 2 and this would be a 10 minute drive. I always loved when Rob was sick because I got home 15 minutes earlier. Backcountry kids, you know, just let wolves raise them, all right? Public education isn't for them. Point of this story is one time, It was during winter semester exams. We were on the other side of the railroad tracks and the dinging, like the arms weren't down. Right. But the colors were flashing to tell you that a train was coming. And we're sitting there and sitting there. Clearly no train is coming. Bitch is just sitting there. I have to get to a fucking history exam in like 15 goddamn minutes. Mm -hmm. And we're just expected to sit there even though there's clearly not a train coming. (laughs) That'd be so weird. Like, would you have gotten in trouble for being late because you came on the bus? I'm sure this would have been the children's fault, yes. You remember ENSS, the administrative staff, all had their heads so far up their asses. It made them arrogant, but it also made them stupid. You know how many pink slips I faked and got away with it? A lot. Yeah. Um, speaking of administrative staff, let's move on to the villain. The villain... (laughs) I know, that was a good segue. The villain of this movie is the Spectre. The Spectre is very clearly a man in a mask. 
they even see the mask at one point. And they're like, oh, that's the mask from the Greek chorus play we did. So, no... It's interesting. None of these movies have really had that so far in live action. Just the clearly fake man, just hiding his face, low-key. He's a shit villain, but I really like how much of a shit villain he is. Because that's... It brings a little bit of that Scooby-Doo energy to life. I don't even think he's that much of a shit villain. He's got a shit costume, but... Oh, that's what I meant. I guess uh, he's visually shit. He's visually shit, but his plan works for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the Spectre also has actual ghosts uh, working for him. I I actually wish he didn't. Because much like the Goblin King and the Samurai Sword, there has to be something that's real. And it's ghosts this time. Yep. Risen from the grave, like, Hocus Pocus style with a fucking spell book. Yes. And they look very Hocus Pocus, like Doug Jones' zombie character. I see it in their faces. I think it's even worse than that. When we see them at one point with their faces in the flames, I I swear, they look like Mr. and Mrs. Boogity. That's not a reference for anyone but me. (laughs) But it's one that I'm making. So who is the Spectre underneath it all? Well, at first we think it's Ollie the janitor and or the librarian, because they have motives. But it's not them, because Shaggy thinks of them. So and we knew it was wrong. never who Shaggy thinks it is. We then think it's Vice Principal Grimes, because he's just an asshole. So of course he has to be the asshole ghost as well. His asshole has expanded into different <laughs> areas. But no, no. It's the man you least expect. The very meek... Principal Deedle. Which is very much obviously the man it was going to be because after the school gets like burned out with flames and shit he's just like well we'll have to shut it down like he's willing to give into the ghost demands. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I said his actor's name before. I don't know if it's super important but he's played by Sean McDonald. Very good at being a meek man. What is his master criminal plan? Underneath Coolsville High is another high school that, like, sank into the sediment during a a very serious flood this town had, like, a hundred years ago or whatever. And down there is a time capsule that contains a misprint stamp that he really wants for his collection. Uh, One stamp. I love this. I absolutely adore that it is a very low-key motive that he has. It's a very small, tangible thing. And these movies, they try so much to ramp things up, ramp things up. No! Make it small! Make it human! This feels like a motive we could have had in Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? However... It's not really something I would resort to necromancy for. No, it kind of feels like maybe instead of uh, dynamiting a hole in the gym floor to get to the old high school, you just, you like dig through the floor in the basement by yourself at night, quietly. I'm even fine with, with dynamiting the gym floor. It's the raising the literal dead unnecessarily I take issue with. He did not need to have minion ghosts, and if he did, 
his his plan should be grander than a stamp. But I don't want it to be grander than a stamp, so get rid of the ghosts. Then who causes all the trouble for the Scooby Gang? We'd figure it out in rewrites. Maybe you get some bullies involved. I Honestly, my favorite scene with the ghosts is when they started possessing the mannequins. And it was just clearly a very shit-looking mannequin. A very, I'm just a man dressed in an old-timey football gear that looked kind of like a ghost. That's Scooby-Doo to me. Is a funny little costume. Terror scale for the Spectre. Well, I mean, the feasibility, aside from the necromancy, as you state, it's all on the up and up. But the Spectre isn't too scary, uh, which is to say he's not scary at all. Zero for spooks, <laughs> but I've given him a three for charm. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I would have ended up at a at a three as well for me with my more generous scale. I'm, I do think he's good for this movie because this movie doesn't focus on the villain so, so much. It's focused on the gang and their development and who they are as characters. Yes, dear. Friendship. Friendship. As we've stated over and over again. Do you have any other thoughts or feelings? Uh, I have a few. First off, Coolsville High is home of the cougars. <laughs> yes. That's the most standard fucking creature to use for your mascot. Let's get some originality up in here, Coolsville. You could have picked any of the classic Scooby-Doo villains, and it would have been a nice nod. The Coolsville... Sp- well, uh, Spectres. <laughs> the Spectres, the villain. The Coolsville Knights, and then the mascot could have been the yes. Black Knight. Coolsville Creepers. Coolsville Gackling Green Ghosts. A little wordy, but... <laughs> yeah. You, you run into a problem being too much like the Spectre. Like, uh, the Coolsville Thousand Watt Ghosts? Coolsville Kooks. Holy fuck. Coolsville Kooks is what it needed to be. He I'm already, good at this. He already has that big helmet. <laughs> that would have been fun. There's also a part where uh, we see a movie theater. They are, they're in a classic 3D movie. The, on the uh, that's advertised, but it's definitely Vincent Price's House of Wax yes. that they're watching. Which is, you know, fans of the show will remember Vincent Price previously in Scooby-Doo. He does not appear in the scene they watch. Instead, it's, it's a weirdo 3D scene in that movie <laughs> where a man is uh, playing with a rubber bouncy ball. A charming scene in the film itself. I may have decided to show Vincent Price if I had the rights. Uh, you probably want to talk about the musical direction. I do. You already mentioned that it was the other live-action Scooby-Doo, so I was going to ask if they reused some of that music, because it all sounded very similar, very samey. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's just the fact, then, that it, that it is the same composer. That's something I had only just learned now when reviewing the credits. Apart from score, music, and original songs... This movie ends with a bit of a recreation of openings. It's a cover version of What's New Scooby-Doo. And they're sort of recreating the shots that they cut to in the opening of Scooby-Doo Where Are You? Like we see Fred falling back into a, into a secret door. Uh, Daphne almost grabbed by hand as she walks past. Exactly. Uh, everyone looking at at a book and then kind of looking up. But it also, it, it does that to the music of What's New Scooby-Doo, and we still get shots from that. For instance, the 
the the crossed color bars from what's new scooby-doo it's just a lot of fun it is a good way just to end your movie glad they didn't start the movie with it <laughs> so, yeah i i yeah i agree i wouldn't have liked if they started with it but because they ended with it it felt earned my last general thought or feeling fred ends up trapped in a in a volleyball net at one point hope this doesn't awaken anything in him <laughs> <laughs> you, th- you think he might develop some sort of uh interest in nets and traps i hope not that'd be weird if it did yep i i just want to say the scene where scooby-doo is kidnapped and they have to decide whether or not to go down into into the hole and and save the day they all individually decide that they're going to because they love scooby tears in my eyes he was legitimately crying i was crying at scooby-doo the mystery begins he's starting to cry again now and that's why I think this is a Scooby-Doo absolutely. Fred's not blonde, Scooby-Don't. <laughs> don't you do that! <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, don't I do that? Don't it's do not, that! It's not a legitimate reason? It's not. But I'm not going to fight you too hard or else you'll fight me back. No, I too agree that this is a Scooby-Doo absolutely. It's excellently paced, honestly laugh out loud funny. So goddamn charming. All the characters, aside from Fred not being blonde, are pretty much spot on. Hmm. I, I could have done with a little bit better CGI on Scooby's eyes, specifically. But overall, I like that we're actually given an origin story that explains why they would all be friends. And more than that, why Shaggy would want to do all this spooky shit. Because we said... He was very reluctant. He's not into mysteries. He doesn't want anything to do with this. But he's just so fucking happy to have friends. Yeah. That they're just like, hey, I hear there's some spooky stuff happening at the museum. Should we check it out? And Shaggy's just like, oh, I'll do anything for you guys. And then it, and then Scooby doesn't want to because he's still afraid. So they ask, would you do it for a Scooby snack? And it's a it's a perfect movie, guys. Okay. Honestly, I think I Perfect. here's the thing. This this might be sacrilege. This might be the most fun I had watching a piece of Scooby Doo media since Zombie Island. This is up in the pantheon for me. It's a good movie. I think you're being like crazy generous right now. I will agree it's the best of the live action movies. I don't know. I still enjoy uh what's new quite a bit, so I feel like I had some major enjoyment during that series. Yeah. Um, it's still Scooby Doo, absolutely. I don't know why you're going on about it. It just, it just took, it took me aback. Listeners, please watch this movie and let us know what you think. You know where to find us on Twitter. I am at the Billy Seaguire. Amelia is at Fatal Amelia, and we can be found collectively at Scooby underscore Doos. Also, find all our old stuff streaming on YouTube and Tumblr. Both under Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts. We have a Patreon if you want to throw us a little bit of coinage every month. Coin! Coin! Billy is in the process of recording Shadow Demon right now. I am. It's going to be a timed exclusive on Patreon. So if you want access to it for maybe the rest of this year, maybe we won't put it out until like the new year for regular listeners. Hmm. So it's going to be timed exclusive. Yeah. If you want it, you're going to have to pay... A dollar for it. <laughs> <laughs> a dollar makes me holler. 
What will I holler? Me and my shadow demon. And on that note, that's it from Scooby Dooby Us. Scooby Dooby With First Frights on the PS2 coming up next. Possibly the Wii. I don't know what we're doing yet.